And I think at one point he had said something about binders full of women. Yeah, so and, quaint. Yes. So back quaint in the, Yeah, back in the day, whenever that was a comment that could potentially not, <laughs> not necessarily disqualify, but whenever that was a thing that you shouldn't say. Hey there. Welcome to In Sickness and In Health, a podcast about our bodies and, and issues that intersect with chronic illness, disability, healthcare, and mortality. My name is Kara Gale. I'm not a doctor, not a health policy expert. I'm just a person and a patient and a podcaster who uh, just really needs to talk more about this stuff. Um, in this episode, our recurring guest, Christopher Snyder, is back to explain his plan to become the Roman Mars of the patient community. If you're not familiar with who Roman Mars is, he's the host and producer of this incredible podcast called 99% Invisible, which is about all of the unnoticed architecture and design that shape our world. Definitely worth checking out if you haven't heard it before. He's also the founding member of Radiotopia, which is a curated network of these extraordinary producer-driven shows, shows like 99% Invisible, uh, Criminal, the Heart, Song Exploder, which is really great. I mean, they're all great, but I really like that one a lot. And you can find it at radiotopia.fm. So my guest Christopher is also a patient podcaster, uh, and he has actually two podcasts that are worth checking out, one of which is called The Just Talking Podcast, and the other one is called two big topics. And we'll talk a bit about those in this episode. And of course, you can subscribe to any of these shows wherever you get your podcasts. So we recorded this uh, back towards the end of November. And we also talked about uh, how we feel about this, the outcome of the election and how we are coping in the aftermath. And I didn't put it out right away because all of these wacky things just kept happening. And um, I felt like ah, I'm going to have to, you know, write this complicated introduction or whatever, um, or like, it's not appropriate to put it out right now, or what is going on, which is still happening. Um, so it's a little old, but this week we recorded again and, uh, talked a bit about, you know, what's happened in the time that has elapsed and how we're coping still. Uh, and you'll hear that episode next week, or maybe the week after, if I'm not feeling great. Last week's show was a solo show, just me talking also about the election, um, which I recorded a few days, maybe a week afterward. Uh, so that's pretty, like, raw. You know, I, I get it if you don't want to hear politics stuff. I usually don't want to, but I just had to talk about it man because I just I'm <laughs> what the fuck um yeah so there's I guess gonna be more of that on the show in the years months and years to come so the show is probably gonna take some weird twists and turns we're going off road a bit uh I'm not going to carefully write introductions as much anymore just because you know I'm still really struggling with uh, cognitive issues and migraines and it's hard for me to string sentences together when I feel like this it's gonna be a little a little more loosey-goosey um I'm probably gonna swear like a lot more uh because that's because I'm from New Jersey and that's how I cope 
with difficult feelings. So, I don't know. Things are going to change around here, and uh, the show's going to change a bit. I think I said this last week, but, you know, just in case you didn't listen to that one, which you don't have to, and you don't have to listen to this one either, we get into the politics stuff around... So the politics stuff starts about 20 minutes, maybe 25 minutes in. Um, So if you just want to hear about the Binders Full of Podcasters, um, that's the first part of the episode. So uh, let's see, what else do I have for you? Uh, Thank you, as always, to my Patreon supporters. Y'all are the best. Um, Your rewards will be in the mail soon. I promise. I bought envelopes today. So I'm pretty proud of myself about that. Anyway, Patreon enables me to accept small recurring donations on a per episode basis to help with the production costs for the podcast. Uh, Hopefully at some point I will be able to pay for transcription of the interviews. If you haven't yet, check us out over there on Patreon. There are different pledge levels that come with different rewards and patrons who support the podcast also get access to the patron only feed where I'll be sharing some more behind the scenes stuff and sneak peeks at new episodes. So special shout out to Jennifer Spatilla. I hope I pronounced that correctly, who is our latest contributor over on Patreon. Um, You can support the show for as little as $1 a month. I get that uh, being chronically ill is uh, expensive. And, um, you know, not everyone has the money to throw away on an otherwise free podcast. Uh, But if you want to help the show in another way, you can actually take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes, which helps other people find us. Uh, As always, find links to our Patreon Christopher's podcasts and some of the stuff we talk about on the episode page for this episode and find resources and more from us at insicknesspod.com. We are on social media at insicknesspod, so be sure to follow us there as well. And this week has seen some developments in, (laughs) uh, I don't know. I mean, nothing's actually happened yet, but some legislative posturing and uh, symbolic votes and whatnot uh, did happen in the Senate this week with regards to the Affordable Care Act, which you may know uh, as Obamacare. Um, and it has a lot of us really freaked out. Now, uh, the what they voted on um, in the middle of the night was ag- they voted against proposed protections on things like um the pre-existing conditions uh staying on your staying on your parents health insurance until you're 26 and uh coverage for reproductive health care uh all of which poll very highly these are the things that people really want to keep uh as far as the affordable care act goes which of course is not perfect but that's that's not what this is about okay anyway um, so nothing has changed yet. You can still make your voice heard by contacting your representatives. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, I am for sure super freaked out. Uh, you might be too, but 
I mean, I was going to say don't panic, but like I'm pretty panicked to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I really have completely run out of chill about this and uh, you'll hear all about that next week. Um, Anyway, I hope you're hanging in there and that you enjoy this episode. Um, so, uh, I was looking at your Twitter bio when I was working on my MedEx, my last MedEx project, and it says that you want to become the Roman Mars of the patient community. What do you mean by that? I'm going to launch a Kickstarter and people are going to think that they should give me all their money. Um, actually, there was a Kickstarter involved in there at one point, right? I think. I haven't been following the full history of Radiotopia, but. So, yeah, I think, hmm, I forget, but I think think they did launch with a kickstarter they did also have uh funding from public radio international or the public radio exchange i think uh, prx um, yeah yeah they started with a grant from them and then also did a, a crowdfunding campaign and then it seems i I, th- I guess they've only been around for a year maybe two so they're doing like annual um kind of membership drive like a public radio model kind of uh fundraising yeah yeah that's cool yeah uh so i guess for people if you want to follow along at home radiotopia.fm um imagine that but um instead of podcasts from other smart people from other smart patients i i I have this grand idea of um building out a platform that enables um, new patient voices to come up with their own podcast ideas and to further promote existing podcasts that are, are produced and hosted and, um, and shared for and by the patient community. Uh, it's, I, 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 I don't know. Like, I don't really have like a personal job title or anything like that, but I like this idea of story sharing, not necessarily just storytelling. Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel strongly about promoting other voices to, to help enhance the, you know, all the efforts that we go through to try and get our point across and to advocate for, you know, for ourselves and for others. And I, over the the past few years, I've interacted with other people that have, um, have come to me asking for my, my advice on starting a podcast. They've started their own podcast and they want me to help, you know, share it, or they want me to come on their podcast to talk about their podcast or whatever. But, um, there are a decent number, not enough, but there are a decent number of patient, you know, focused podcasts out there. And it's not just, random podcast that interviews somebody like, you know, for, for some like NPR piece or something that I'm talking about, like what we're doing right now on your podcast, Karen. And I, I'd like to see more of that happen. And I get the sense that if people had, um, I, I get the sense that there are enough people that have an idea for something like that, but they don't know where to start or they're afraid to start. So mm-hmm. I'd, I'd like for this platform that I have in my head to, to one, promote the existing podcast to, um, empower new podcasters. And then three, um, serve as some sort of a mentorship for people that have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start or how to start. And we can have sort of a buddy system where the more experienced podcasters can help people along during the initial ramp up of their shows to, to encourage more voices to come along. Because there are things like blogging, like that's that's pretty um, cut and dry, pretty plug and play. It's not too difficult to get started if you had the ability to formulate sentences, which I don't take for granted, but if you have the ability to type and formulate sentences, you can start a blog and you can pretty easily get your voice out there and you can 
if you if you play your cards right, you can be seen by by enough people, and you can build up a readership, and, and that sort of stuff can happen. Uh, podcasting itself is improving as far as access from mm-hmm. my from my point of view. I mean, the, if you want to get a decent microphone or de- or you know decent headphones, a decent setup, it will cost you a little bit of money. But that base level entry, um, I feel like, is much more affordable than it was when I first got started. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the 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 editing tools, the all, I mean, the the the, the uh, publishing platforms, and, and those suites of, of tools that are available to people, they're much more intuitive. They're much more streamlined. They're, it's just everything is a lot better th- than when I got started five ish years ago. And I feel like now is the time to sort of leverage what's happening right now as far as the podcasting medium is concerned, and offer a different opportunity for for patient voices to to literally be heard. Yeah, yeah, I think you're definitely right about that that like the barriers to entry are kind of coming down at least a bit um i mean even just a tool like zencaster um yeah. i have a, a couple friends that have a bunch of movie podcasts that i record with sometimes and like we were talking about like why is it still so hard to record this this was before zencaster maybe or like before i really started using it in earnest um because it seems absurd that like recording a remote podcast would still be so technically difficult or like technically inaccessible. Um, so it's, it's interesting to kind of watch these tools emerge and then also watch kind of the, a revenue model emerge too, being that podcasts are all free, but the labor to produce them is, I mean, it, it takes so much more work than anyone ever uh, expects it to, I think when people are like, Oh, I'm going to start a podcast. Um, and then they start working on it and they're like, Oh shit, this is actually like a ton of work. Um, so the fact that like revenue model, a revenue model is starting to form, although I don't know how sustainable it is when like the same advertiser advertises on 80 different podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you about Casper mattresses. Right. Or let, blue, let me apron, tell you, yeah, blue apron. Or, yeah. Whatever. I mean, if you're a podcast listener and you listen to a bunch of different shows, then you definitely know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, I'm not I'm not sure that that's I mean, like, I'm glad that somebody somewhere is making money, but I'm just not sure how long that's going to last. Yeah. Or like if this of course, it's like a bubble that will eventually burst as all things do. But um, I hope that something more sustainable manages to to come along because i would love to make money to do this <laughs> yeah I, it's you know i, I think I mean, first to your point about the um about the, the the overall kind of similarity when it comes to all the sponsors i think that one of the keys to that is sort of how it's presented some of the, so for some podcasts um i actually will listen to all the ads because mm-hmm. it isn't just a straight you know read and they sort yeah. of interact with each other while they're still getting to it and they will you know they will hit the proper bullet points to make sure that they're fulfilling the, their obligations to their sponsors but they're having fun with it and it's still a very natural thing and i think that's the challenge for some shows that um especially if, if it's a remote podcast it's difficult to include that banter for something that formal i feel like the, the banter is usually best done in the room and that's something that is always going to be a challenge for everybody and then the people that have the opportunity for for more proper interactions usually will benefit from that better but i don't know it, it, there there are a lot of there are a lot of bigger challenges beyond making this thing, um, you know, sustainable for anybody or for any, you know, group of people that were that would choose to participate in this hypothetical platform that I envision. Um, 
but there would have to be some sort of opportunity there for either a discount for people coming in so that those initial months um, for podcast hosting, they would be, they would be, you know, cheaper a little bit to get started. I would love to have something like that offered to encourage more people to at least give it a shot. Um, I mean, I, I would love to have something where like, okay, you, the first three months are at a discounted rate. And if as a result of that, we, you know, there are 12, 12 new podcasts that come in as a result of this effort and only three of them last more than two months. Like I'd be okay with that. Cause a lot of these podcasts don't last that long. People get yeah. the idea. It's great. And then once they realize what it's going to take to produce something regular to get, to continue to build that relationship with their audience, um, then a lot of people will eventually drop off. That's one of the things I really believe in with my podcast is that I have to put something out every Tuesday because that's how I build the trust for people that actually choose to subscribe. And that's my way of saying thank you is that you're going to get something every Tuesday. And and that's not easy and it's definitely not always fun. But that's 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 the promise that I've made in this, you know, free transaction. Even though I'm paying for the podcast hosting, I'm also paying or I'm hoping that you're going to donate your time to listen to to what I have to say or to what my guest has to say. Yeah, and that's a really incredible uh, feat that you managed to put off, pull off, putting out a show every Tuesday. Because um, I was doing that for a while, and then I just realized, like, for for me and my energy level, that was impossible. So then I right. like switched, like maybe I'll do it every other week. And then now I'm just doing it kind of as I can when I can, um, but still very much like committed to still doing the podcast on a semi-regular basis um instead of just leaving it behind Mm -hmm. uh but yeah no a lot of people do drop off pretty quickly as soon as they realize how much work is involved you actually have two podcasts i do i have ideas for others too like if this (laughs) if this patient podcasting network thing comes off then i need a podcast devoted specifically to it so i have a podcasting idea for that that I would host, but yeah, I also do another one called Two Big Topics with my uh, longtime friend and sort of podcasting mentor, Paris Lilly. He's one of the reasons that I got into the podcasting game, and like he'd been on my show just talking uh, far too many times, and I realized at some point like I can't just keep bringing him on to chat. Like it seems sort of unfair to the to my sort of general mantra of trying to find new conversations as often as possible. Um, it felt like I was using his, his ability to come on my show as a, as a, as a crutch. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, we should just start our own thing. He said, yeah, we probably should. And then he didn't necessarily say no. So I started looking up URLs and ideas and I sent him some text messages like, this is what I have in mind. He said, okay, when do you want to do this? How about monthly? Okay. So yeah, we, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing. Like it, we, we, the idea behind just talking was that I knew people that had more to them than what they put out on, you know, social media and stuff. Cause I was talking with people with diabetes and gamers at first and I knew that there was more to them than that. Um, and this show, two big topics is an opportunity for us to, for me, Paris to dig into, um, two big topics a little bit more thoroughly than we normally would on our own individual podcasts or we, uh, as we would on Twitter or Facebook. Um, and it's, it's been kind of fun. It's actually been really black for the past couple of weeks, like we've been talking about 13th and, and, and some black lives matter stuff and Luke cage and somewhere RuPaul's drag race, which isn't really black, but like I bring in some really weird topics. It is just an opportunity to like share some additional insights into the, into the oddities that, that are our lives. Um, but RuPaul's drag race is a fantastic show. People should just watch that anyway. Okay. Um, I, I think I might start that next. I just, um, toward the end of the election season and then, after the election, I watched all seven seasons, all seven seasons of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, because <laughs> it was just really cathartic to watch a woman beat up bad guys. Um, 
and now I have this like Buffy shaped hole in my life. So I might move on to drag race next. It's, it's pretty great. So I've previously said that Tim Gunn of, of, of project runway fame is a national mm-hmm. treasure for some of the things that he says and does. He's, he's just pretty great. RuPaul yeah. is also up there as far as national treasure status. Oh, is absolutely. Concerned. I mean, I um, haven't watched the show, but I agree with that a hundred percent. Yeah. Like that, so the thing, this is like, uh, so we talk about this on two big topics, but one of the things that we, we get into for RuPaul's drag race is that it's, it's not just about the drag, like the performance and, and the costumes and the makeup itself. It's also about the people behind all this effort. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, after a certain point, whenever there's less time to fill with like the drag portion of the show, they have to sort of transition into telling more personal stories. And that's when you get into a, port, a point where people start to explain why they got into drag or why drag is so empowering for them or why drag saved their lives from abuse or from persecution or from things like that. And it's, it's not just people that, that are, are gay or, tra- or transgender. It's, you know, these are other people that are just looking for an outlet and they found it in drag and that empowered them to, to, to really to creatively express themselves in really powerful ways. And, and there's always been of the seasons that we've watched, there's always one, a trademark episode where they bring in sort of a civilian to, 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 to put in drag and sort of like a pairs competition. And one of the first seasons that we watched, I think it was um, military men or like random, I, I might've just been like random dudes that came in mm-hmm. and, and they come in and obviously like part of the, the initial ploy is like, Oh, like here's this weird, like, you know, kind of yin and yang thing where these people have no idea what's going on and they're gonna be really uncomfortable. But by the end you, through these conversations that, you know, through editing that we see um, the, the, the people that are coming in from the outside, get a better understanding for it where they might've come in and not necessarily been homophobic, but they might not have necessarily act known anybody who was openly out. And then through this experience of this reality show, it's a really weird experience, but still they get a better understanding and and there's a little more empathy that's gained through that. And it's, it might be a little forced, but I still think it's pretty genuine too, in that once you know somebody who's going through some tough times, you better understand the bigger picture out there. And, and, and and this show is able to accomplish that. And it, like I said, it is a very strange premise because, you know, not everybody knows somebody who's a drag queen, but they, they, they do tell some really interesting, powerful stories. Once you get past the silliness of this is also a reality show. Yeah, that sounds like a delight. It is. It is. All right. I'm, after we finish talking, I'm going to start that. If you uh, got Hulu, I think there are two seasons of two or three on there, and there's also some All-Star stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, so there's a lot to get into. Um, but yeah, so I, I back to whatever we were initially talking about. I don't have a name for this idea yet. I, I have some ideas for what it could be called. I was looking for like a one-word sort of thing that resembled an amphitheater or a platform or a soapbox or some sort of like broadcasting thing. Um, mm-hmm. Cause those are the ideas that I have in my head about giving patients an opportunity to share their voice in some sort of, you know, loudly projecting manner um, through maybe like a megaphone or something like that. Um, but I haven't found something cause I, I, I want it to be unique, but I also want it to be something that people would, potentially understand by reading it so like i don't want to get too out there um which is sort of a challenge because then you start to look at what urls are available and there aren't a lot of dot coms out there for what you're looking for especially for single word stuff and if you're looking at dot fms those i think are just like by default 90 Mm dollars so i'd have to have a really solid idea i need to talk with somebody who better understands wordpress than i do to kind of build the initial template idea for what this website would look like 
because while I don't need a lot of fancy features, I want something that I can easily um, update down the road in case there's a new show that comes out that I can just add to the website. So we can go to this one location and see a list of podcasts that they could engage with depending on what they're looking for. So it's, I have a lot of ideas. I have a notebook dedicated to this idea that I keep jotting stuff down every few days, but um, I, I just, I don't, I don't know where to go as far as actually making a portion of this thing actually happen just yet. And it's, it's a challenge, but um, at the end of the day, I think that there's something there, excuse me. And it's just a matter of trying to figure out how to best execute a version of it to sell to other people to want to, you know, continue to contribute to it. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's definitely something there. Um, and yeah, I mean, it is a, a kind of a technical challenge of like how to build that platform and that website in a way that is easily navigable, navigable, navigatable. I'm not sure what that form of that word would be. Yeah, I, I but, know where you're going with it, though. Um, but and like not too cluttered, but then also, you know, I don't know. That's interesting. Um, well, so I, I can give one other example of the overall layout that I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, people want to go to Chicago Podcast Co-op.com, something oh, like yeah. that is super basic, where it's just like here's a link to like that podcast homepage, the iTunes feed, the Google Play feed, and that's it. That's the sort of thing that I'm envisioning. Like, I don't want to have bells and whistles on this thing. Like, it, it, down the road, it would be great to have some sort of streaming player available to play the the most recent episode. But at, at its basic form, it is just a really fancy looking link list. And yeah. I think from there, that would be enough to sort of get the idea started. And then if I had resources to hire somebody to actually implement a streaming player on there, then that could work as well. And then sort of create some sort of omni playlist where you're bringing in the latest episode from all the podcasts that are uh, that are part of this network. That would be cool. Again, I have lots of ideas for all this stuff, but um, at its most basic form, it's just here's a list of shows that you should that you could consider. Yeah, cool. I remember what I was going to say that coming up with names for things is really hard. Oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. It's the hardest thing about podcasting. I think maybe it's just like coming up with episode titles. Ugh, it's just impossible for me. And then so every I- once in a while, I'll come up with a name for something compl- like, just be like, oh, that would be a great name for a band or a record or whatever. But I can't, it's not for what I'm doing. <laughs> so I, I realized that I don't even know what episode it was on for just talking, but I realized that I had been far too clever with my episode titles during yeah. the first like year or so. And then I gave up on all that stuff. And now it's just with that person or about this thing. So in theory, it's just talking, you know, with Christopher Snyder, just talking oh. about the patient podcasting network. Um, and those are all my episode titles. And yeah. that makes it much, much easier for me. Like over the years, you can see that I've put less and less <laughs> effort into the forward facing portions of my shows. Um, like the editing is minimal, the, all the text and show notes and stuff that I put on are minimal. I mean, they, they are sufficient, but they're also mm-hmm. minimal. And it's mostly because I, I don't want to devote as much time to it as I can because I have other things I have to do. So it's right. it, it's just a weird push and pull. But I still, I mean, I get as much information as I can across to make sure that people that do care will want to listen to it. If you've already subscribed to the podcast, they're good to go. If I'm tagging the right people in the links, then, then you know retweets will engage their audience. So then they're good to go. And for anybody else out there, if they find it, then hopefully they'll give it a shot and let me know what they think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've i been trying to simplify my episode titles for exactly that reason. But even still, it's hard. <laughs> there are a lot of things that are hard. But, there you know, are a lot of things that are hard. Like life? Yeah. Life is so hard. Oh, goodness. Um, so I'm curious 
uh, before we started recording, you said that you were going to record an episode of two big topics about the election. Um, I'm curious if the results of this election uh, change in any way your approach to podcasting or your attitude about the role of your podcast in the world, or if you haven't yet figured out what it means for your podcast? Um, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't consider my podcast like specifically political, even though everything has a political stance. If you want to look hard enough, mm -hmm. um, I don't necessarily, um, I haven't had, had on guests that are primarily like first associated with some sort of like political, um, you know, office or, or some sort of political, you know, relationship one way or another. Like I haven't had any elected officials on my podcast, at least that I know of. Um, so I, I, I don't necessarily go down that path. It's usually just a personal story thing. If somebody was, you know, a mayor at one point, then that's fine. Um, I haven't, haven't really gone down that path a lot. Um, I don't know. Like every now and then stuff about, insurance will come up um if i'm talking mm -hmm. with with a patient but it's we don't necessarily get into why affordable insurance is a good thing or why the cost of insulin is a bad thing um but i don't necessarily shy away from those topics if we get into that i, I think mm -hmm. potentially the most political podcast that i've had on was back in a few years three years ago maybe when i had uh, max temkin one, one of the co-creators of cards against humanity on and this was during the romney election the romney obama election and I think at one point he had said something about binders full of women. Yeah, so and, quaint. Yes. So back quaint in the, Yeah, back in the day, whenever that was a comment that could potentially not, <laughs> not necessarily disqualify, but whenever that was a thing that you shouldn't say. Yeah. Um, and, and he was the person who created bindersfullofwomen.com. And it was sort of like his weird like satire one pager. And at the bottom was a link to um, to donate to the Obama campaign. And it was, you know, he's he and the rest of the Cards Against Humanity people have been much more uh, aggressive and active in their politics, especially this year. Um, but we talked a little bit about his politics and, and why he is active and, and public about that stuff, um, even in the face of potentially alienating some of his customers, um, which, you know, they very clearly don't necessarily care about. Like they feel very strongly about the things they feel strongly about. And if you don't want to buy their products, then don't. Um, they are, seem to be doing just fine without your support if that's how you feel. Um, but yeah, so I don't necessarily actively engage that kind of stuff, but I'm not going to avoid it if it comes up organically, which is usually how most of the topics on my podcast do. Right. Yeah. I um, was thinking, because I just, the podcast just celebrated its first birthday, and I was really excited about that because all things considered with my health and everything, there's like no reason why it should have been going on for as long as it has, and I'm really proud of that. Um, and in the birthday episode, I was talking about like plans that I have for year two and maybe taking the show in a different direction and like going after certain things that I'm more interested in, um, like exploring the therapeutic use of psychedelic drugs or doing a uh, series about death and dying. Uh, a couple of my favorite topics, you know. Um, <laughs> but like after the election, it feels... I mean, death and dying is one thing that will always be relevant. I mean, p perhaps even more so now. Um, but doing a, a series about like psychedelic drugs feels so. It just kind of feels like a waste of time, I guess. Okay. Um, when like there's like a literal fascist who's 
coming to power, you mm. know, who who campaigned on the promise that he would repeal the Affordable Care Act on on day one or in the first hundred days or whatever. Um, and, you know, it remains to be seen what will actually happen with that. But depends on who act. talks to him last. What do you uh, mean by that? There's a running uh, there are a lot of running theories about our president elect. But mm-hmm. um, one of the things is that whoever gets his ear last usually has the most pressing um sort of point of view on his brain so like after he met with obama the first time he's like hey some portions of the affordable care seem all right yeah and it's like wait what you you've been running around screaming about how horrible this thing is and he's like oh no actually once i you know learned about it it's pretty good it's like oh you're you're, you know i well interestingly it's 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 a struggle with a lot of people i mean as as specific to the affordable care act when they pull pieces of the Affordable Care Act and explain to people like what they are. They actually poll really favorably. Um, but because of the the messaging from the opposition and the like systematic dismantling of systematic attempts to dismantle the legislation, um, people think it's like this terrible thing. It's also uh, been branded with the name of a guy who potentially is not of this country and not of Christian faith and is, you know, harboring terrorists. I mean, the fact right. that, I mean, there, there have been so many other political, you know, attacks on the name Obama itself. So that if you attach it to anything, people are automatically going to hate it. So by saying, Hey, like our president, you know, wasn't born in this country. And also he's, you know, put in the, you know, the, this evil regime of, of health care that's mandated and he's going to make you have health insurance and death squads ah. and all these horrible things. Oh, and God. like, you know, it's just it's 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 a real challenge to to really take some of that stuff seriously. But yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's I don't know we, we, I, if you don't mind, I want to take a kind of step back to broadly comment on all everything right. that we've been seeing, because like th- there are so many valid grievances that people have. But whenever yeah. it gets masked with. The, the fact that by default they have to by supporting one side the the person that you're choosing to represent your opinion no matter how valid it may be and no matter how specific your your struggles are it, your 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 opinions are now represented by Donald Trump mm. and that's a real challenge for the people that have valid that are hurting there mm-hmm. whenever they are their struggles are real and they deserve to be heard and and they deserve to have some solutions you know put forth to them to help alleviate whatever they are going through but whenever the person they have voted for or as a result have elected to represent their perspective is so far out of the norm is so far extreme it just it makes having a rational conversation so difficult and that's why you hear all these sort of half jokes but but genuine truths about how challenging thanksgiving was going to be and how weird this holiday season is going to be because when I go to celebrate Christmas with, with some of my extended family who I know voted for Donald Trump, like I, I don't know what we're going to talk about yeah. because we, you can only small talk for so much time. And at some point, especially whenever the alcohol flows for some of these people, like things are going to be said. And it's like, look, like my mom is black. My sister and I are biracial. And you voted for a person who who is appointing people who think that we are not worthy. Black people are not worthy. They, you know, it just, there is so much. And it's like, Oh, well, like I didn't vote for, you know, for Steve Bannon to be appointed as chief strategist. Like, no, you, you voted for a person who is tr- entrusting this person in the same way that Carl Rove was trusted with, with yeah. George W. Bush. And look how good that turned out. Exactly. And it's, it, it's a real challenge for me to, to try to have a respectful conversation about some of this stuff, even if I choose to, 
because of what has been said and what has been done and what has been done in this man's name since the election, even before yeah. the election. And it's it's a real challenge for me to to look around and and try and figure out what the hell is going on, because like the day after the election or like, you know, so so the night of the election, I couldn't sleep, but I was also afraid to look at my phone the day after the election. Once Hillary had conceded, I I, I sat in the bathroom for an hour, potentially about to throw up because I, I just didn't yeah. know what was going to happen. And I, you know, I commented a few times on Facebook, like, you know, more specifically, like, I don't know how to feel about a person who was elected to be the representative of this country to the world who was endorsed by the KKK. And I don't care if he's disavowed that or, or, or however earnestly he may or may not have disavowed that kind of stuff. David Duke is out there celebrating this. White nationalists are out there celebrating this. The KKK is active in celebrating this stuff. And for me specifically, me personally, that's a terrifying thing. I may not, you know, air quote, look as black as other black people out there, but I still feel, I mean, I still feel the fear that's out there as a result of all this stuff. Yeah. And it's a really challenging thing for me to face. And that doesn't even touch any of the other things that are happening, right? Like I'm, <laughs> I'm a straight dude who's married and I'm going to be okay. And you know, it's, but for, for anybody, for, for anybody that is outside of any kind of norm that might be established by society, it, they're all in trouble and they're all afraid for their lives. And it's, it's so, it's so frightening to think that, 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 that half the country thinks this way. And I, I just, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, uh, I don't know. I know. I, I, I feel very much the same way. Um, I mean, I don't know if this will make anyone feel better, but it's technically not half the country because half the country actually did not vote, which a lot of people are blaming on voter apathy and stuff like that, which certainly plays a role. However, this is the first presidential election since the Voting Rights Act was struck down by the Supreme Court. And as a result, a lot of voters who would not have voted for Donald Trump, who would have voted differently, maybe not for Hillary, but definitely not for Donald Trump, um, were disenfranchised from voting. Yep. Uh, so half of the people who voted voted for this guy, which is disgusting and really sucks. But at the same time, there's like just so much more going on. And in the, the first couple weeks after the election, I was very much in the same boat of just being terrified. And I mean, I still get really nauseated every time I, I, I like I either I have like one of two reactions every time I think about the fact that Donald Trump is going to be president, one of which is to just laugh hysterically because <laughs> I just my body doesn't know what else to do with all of that nervous energy or to just become really nauseated. Sometimes it's this gross combination of both of those things. Um, but I know that my my in-laws are Republicans like it's that's just who they are. And that's fine. And so I knew that they voted for him because they couldn't possibly have voted for Hillary after uh, kind of the 20 years worth of anti-Hillary propaganda that's been kind of shoved down their throats. And, and don't get me wrong, like she's a problematic candidate, but like all politicians are. Uh, and I, I, I think that a large portion of her the push against her did have to do with her gender. Um, but also a lot of other things, but you know, I, 
I definitely don't doubt the fact that she being a woman had a lot to do with this. Um, but I just like, I couldn't even see them. We live in the same house. They live upstairs and we live in a basement apartment and I could not, I couldn't even go upstairs and talk to them because I, I, I had that same feeling of like, Oh my God, what are we going to talk about? And I felt so personally hurt knowing that they cast their vote in such a way. Um, and then I guess as time has gone on um, and, and kind of watching this, this back and forth on the internet of, you know, you're the reason that the world is going to hell. No, you're the reason. No, you're the reason. I think us getting upset with each other over who we voted for is a big fat distraction from the fact that like our president elect is appointing literal neo-Nazis to his cabinet. And a variety of other things, you know, like there's just so much wrong that it's almost impossible to even like wrap your head around like what 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 are we supposed to be focusing on? How are we supposed to be dealing with this um, as much as I would have liked to have a Thanksgiving conversation about racial justice and, um, you know, maybe not letting neo-Nazis take over the country. Uh, ultimately, we decided that we were just going to kind of keep our mouths shut. And thankfully, the rest of his family did too. And we actually had a really nice Thanksgiving. Huh. It is it is possible to not talk about it. Um, but at the same time, there's a part of me that's like, that wants to like rip my skin off and scream and be like, what the fuck? Because this is so <laughs> insane. This is this is just downright bananas what has happened. Um, and like as a student of history and a student of media studies and a student of dystopian fiction. <laughs> and a student of reality, I would And hope. a student of reality, absolutely. This is horrifying. I wasn't as shocked as I think a lot of uh, my peers were and a lot of other people in the country that cast their vote for people other than Donald Trump. Um, because the whole time I was like, until I see Hillary get inaugurated, like I'm not going to believe that that this is real, that this is happening. Like I lived through the 2000 election and I saw how that shook out and how that was like a nightmare. So even before the election, I was kind of like, mm, I have a feeling this isn't going to be quite as, as simple as we elect our first female president. And then we all celebrate and go home. Um, and unfortunately I was right now, even since the election, it's been about three weeks, I guess three, maybe four weeks. Um, now, just like over Thanksgiving weekend, they might actually be conducting a recount, at least in Wisconsin um, or an audit or whatever. We have no idea what's happening. So like Jill Stein's raised like a billion dollars to try and which is something just but ultimately bizarre <laughs> of all people. There's there's so much bizarre that's happening. But yeah. I, I think that so the other weird sort of thing for me um among the, the thousands of weird is, is social media. And I'm still wrapping my head around. And I think that's one of the things I'm going to focus on for the two big topics is the idea of the echo chamber. Mm -hmm. um, so like I'm a, I'm, I appreciate some of the stuff that John Oliver does. I think Samantha B has done some really cutting and fantastic segments. Yeah. Um, but um, 
I was also one of those people who was sort of secretly, like I was actually publicly posting it, but I kind of wanted Jon Stewart to come back. But then I started thinking about like, what does that mean when I want these comedians who are telling real stories to, to kind of help, you know, feed my belief system that I already have. And it kind of goes into like who I'm following on Twitter and I'm trying to be a little more, um, a little more responsible about, about who I'm following and not just like commentators and like Looney Tunes, but also just like straight up like reporters for the times for the New York times or Washington post or something like that. Um, but like I got kind of deep, not too deep, but I got deep enough into political Twitter that I was afraid to check Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's at the point where I, I, I feel like the healthy thing for me to do is to unfollow some of these folks. Yeah. But I, I know that there's so much going on and I need to pay I feel like I need to pay attention to what's happening just so I'm aware of the insanity so I can, you know, potentially be prepared for some of this stuff that I, I don't want to unfollow some of it. But um it's I don't think it's unhealthy yet because I'm not necessarily just sitting on my phone all day refreshing my feed, but whenever I do log on to Twitter, um you know, especially for the people that are putting out like tweet storms and stuff, there's a lot to go through and there's, and because there's so much to keep up with because so much is happening, um, it's, it's potentially unhealthy. And I, and I, and I, I don't know, I don't know what to do about that because like I said, I, I, I'm afraid to back away from it because this stuff is still going to happen without me paying attention to it. Right. Mm-hmm. So how do you, how do you try to healthily keep up with that stuff? without yeah. without risking the burnout and that sort of taps into some like as far as like patient advocacy is, is concerned right because you can be a patient advocate for as long as you want but at some point you're going to have to make a decision about you know being vocal on twitter or taking care of yourself mm-hmm. and and i and i i have been going on twitter less but i haven't unfollowed any of these accounts so i'm not sure if i'm doing enough self-care and i don't know i don't know what to do about that like i'm still listening to keeping it 1600 um despite like that, I have issues with that podcast, and I feel like they've they recognize some of their play in that. But also, it's just one podcast, right? Like they didn't right. feed into the thing where people either felt compelled to not vote in the election or didn't feel swayed by any of the millions of things that he has said or none. So, like, no, that's not right. I don't want that representing this country. And and I I wonder whenever I'm sharing stuff about you know hate crimes against trans people on Twitter um, or on Facebook. It's like if somebody sees that I'm trying to advocate for transgender rights, the, am I preaching to a choir or is anybody actually seeing what I have to say and thinking, hey, maybe there's something to this. You know, I should take it upon myself to to look into what's happening and, you know, hey, what's going down in North Carolina isn't that great. Like, am I actually helping by sharing any of this stuff to people that likely have the same views that I do? I it, right. it, There's a much bigger conversation in all of this and I, I don't know how to how to really face any of it. I don't really either. And I, 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 to your point about uh, being a patient advocate, like political stuff is the fastest way to just drain my battery. I find it so draining. And so, I mean, especially now, so deeply upsetting. Um, I really like don't have the stomach for it. I can't even watch House of Cards, you know, and that's not even real. Um, So I've had to make very judicious choices about what I am and am not letting in and how much time I spend online. And I, I don't, I don't know if there is an answer to the question to that question, because like, even at this whole, like echo, not just the echo chamber, but just the, the false information, um, 
that's out there and just swirling around all of us, you know, regardless of which side of any of this you're on, um, it, it makes it really difficult to parse out what is real and what is not. And like, I don't know. It's, it's very overwhelming. I find it very overwhelming. <laughs> um, have you watched any of Trevor Noah's Do- daily show? Um, occasionally. I, yeah. um, I don't know. Like I, I, I kind of tipped off a daily show. I think once I, um, once I finally found John Oliver, like I, I, I actually appreciated his deep dive segments much more than his like mm-hmm. go get Trump stuff. And, um, I don't know. Like I, I be I do go back to, to daily show segments here and there, but for the most part, I haven't, haven't paid too much attention to, which I feel like is the case for a lot of people that have been following the daily show that a lot of people have kind of dropped off and maybe yeah. it's just cause John Stewart was a little more aggressive in his like defense of like the nine 11 bill and stuff like that. And like people really appreciate his perspective. I think in part because he was around for nine 11, people really gravitated to his personality and he kind of took that and ran with it and elevated a bunch of really smart people. Um, including, mm-hmm. you know, John Oliver's made the beat, but, um, I don't know. That's, that's a weird challenge for anybody to follow a, a voice like John Stewart. But no, oh, I absolutely. And I, I think it's, it, it's, you know, each host of like each of these late night shows, it takes them a while to kind of find their footing, you know, even if you are inheriting the show from somebody else. Um, so I wasn't really watching the daily show after John Stewart left. I'd catch it every once in a while, but actually since the election, um, and actually they took last week off, so I, it, there hasn't been that much of it, but I actually have made like a conscious decision to like fire up Hulu and watch it. Um, because it's absolutely fascinating to have an African hosting the show about American current events and politics at this time currently. Um, I actually am so, and, and I'm so thrilled that he's the one who's hosting it now. Well, I mean, as, as much as I miss Jon Stewart and, and think that he would, you know, certainly do a wonderful job with this, it's really important, I think, to not only get an international view on what's going on or an international, like, lens on what's going on, but the fact that he is from Africa and has this background of observing like African dictators in their natural habitat um, has been a really valuable uh, perspective on this election because Donald Trump acts so much like, you know, one of these wacky dictators. And, and so I think, of course, those who do not pay attention to history are doomed to repeat it and yada, yada, yada. But right. um, we're especially bad at that in the United States. So uh, having somebody who is not from here who is able to say, like, hey, I've seen this before. I know how this ends. And, like, uh, like we need to be doing something about this has actually been, com- like, really comforting to me. That, like, yeah. yeah. I don't know I mean, if I, I articulated that very well. well yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it, it, it's that particular outsider perspective, like people that come on, like for example, John Oliver. Keep going back to right. him, but I mean, I, I feel like he is still presenting his stuff not entirely from like a British perspective. 
whereas um, Trevor Noah is very much including his specific personal background and a lot of his approach and and, and and some of the stories that he's telling and highlighting, saying like, hey, like this is how I'm seeing it from a person who, you know, recently came to this country, who had recently dealt with some really serious stuff in my home country. And it's it's kind of startling to see that the, the it's, it's startling to see the similarities considering how how highly Americans think of themselves. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of a challenge. There's also um, uh, an American goldfinch on a tree branch right outside my window right now. Ooh. Yeah, it's really tiny too. Um, it's New Jersey but, State Bird. Really? Yeah. Huh. I think. Interesting. Yeah. Right. Shout out! Shout out to Jersey. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to New Jersey. Yeah. I one thing I must say about this election cycle, there has been so much Chris Christie Schadenfreude that I've really enjoyed a lot because he's <laughs> just been humiliated over and over again, and I don't usually enjoy watching that happen. But as a daughter of New Jersey, I'm really enjoying it. Because uh, he was supposed to be like, like he was, people thought he was going to be Trump's vice president, and then he got passed over for that, and then he was heading his transition team, and he got kicked off of that, and it's just, I, I'm, I cannot stand him, <laughs> and I'm so happy <laughs> that he is so deeply unhappy, uh, which is very out of character for me, but I just, I can't stand him. I mean, the, the craziest thing about Trump and the fact that, that, I mean. I, no, it's not the craziest thing. There's so much about this that is just bananas. But especially for those of, those of us who live in like New York and New Jersey, we know who this guy is. We, he's been around for 30 years. We know who he is. We know that, A, he's a total failure in business. He's a slumlord and he's a fucking con artist. And like, I cannot believe that anyone that is from here actually voted for him. But they did. And I know that because there's still a Trump sign on my neighbor's lawn on the corner. Uh, it started very slowly, like during the primaries. The first thing that I saw was a Trump bumper sticker, uh, non-committally scotch taped into somebody's back window of their car, which I just found <laughs> hilarious. That was when this was still funny, yeah. you know. Um, and then the signs started popping up and I'm just like, I don't understand how you could possibly think that this guy is gonna is gonna do anything at all for you like he he is looking out for himself always no matter what uh he has fucked over so many small businesses in the tri-state area my partner's boss got fucked over on a on a uh a business deal with donald trump they did like a bunch of work for him and then they never got paid and like that is just one of thousands of stories. We know who this guy is. He filed for bankruptcy like six times. He ran Atlantic City into the ground. Um, he's not good at business. People think he's good at business. He is not good at business. And not only should the government not work like a business, it can't work like a business. And I and it's it's becoming clear that he thought that he could just waltz in there and do whatever he wanted. And like, thankfully, we do have certain checks and balances in place. Although, you know, how many of them are there really going to be whenever the House and the Senate and, and the, Supreme the Supreme Court? Court. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's where it starts to get really scary. Um, I at the same time, though, like I am not 
super convinced that Trump will be able to serve his full term, uh, whether it be because he is immediately impeached, because there are a thousand things that he could be impeached for, um, or, you know, Thanks. people die in office, you know, like there's all sorts of things that can happen. And but. This- scariest thing in the world to me is that then Mike Pence will be president. And that's the guy that we have to be, well, him and all the other guys, but like, he's the one that I'm afraid of. I'm not really that afraid of Trump because he doesn't actually believe in anything. He just is going to line his pockets and run away. Um, And he he doesn't actually have any beliefs. He doesn't believe anything that he's saying, which doesn't make me feel any better about the fact that he's saying it, but like he doesn't actually believe it. But Mike Pence believes this shit. He believes that you can electrocute gay people until they're not gay again. And that that's something that we should do. Um, and like he's he's gutted reproductive health care in his state of Indiana. That's the guy that we need to be afraid of. Um and there's really like so many different scenarios that I see that are possibilities that are infinitely more terrifying, actually, than having Donald Trump in charge. I read a thing about Mike Pence and his um, um, response or his shutting down of a needle exchange program in Indiana that directly mm-hmm. resulted in spreading of HIV yep. in one county in particular. And it just, you know, th- you know, there are lots of things to be concerned about. And it's just I mean, like there, we have one specific concrete example of like his specific approach to governing that created a public health crisis. And right. I don't know. It's just like, I, I think that the, the thing that I keep coming back to in my head is that when people hear freedom of religion, like that's not how you are interpreting. That is not what that actually means. Right. People. Yeah. I do I mean, not think that uh, means what you think it means. And it just, I mean, especially not if we're talking about freedom of religion for Christians and put and while at the same time putting Muslims on a registry or possibly even in internment camps. Like, are you fucking serious? That's not freedom of religion. (laughs) That is white supremacy and Christian supremacy. And like this is just absolutely nuts Um Because like all of the what Trump will do stuff is hypothetical. We have no idea what he's going to do because we don't know what he believes in. Right. And and we don't know what what he will be capable of as far as governance is concerned. Um, But my fear of Mike Pence is is based in in his proven track record of um, just absolute horror. Yeah. And it's not like the rest of the people in the cabinet are going to be like, hey, relax, okay? Like, everybody, let's relax. This sounds a little extreme. Like, there are absolute fundamental extremists that are being appointed to the cabinet, and it's just... Holy God, it's a disaster. So I think I, I I would like to try and round this out and close it out, not on a positive note, but on on a just a reminder to to be judicious with self-care that's not just to you it's also to me and everybody else out there listening self-care is very important for your mental health for your personal health for your actual Mm -hmm. health for your fear of significant others health for your pet's health self-care is an important thing so it's it's okay to turn off the internet every now and then like the news is still going to be there the world is still going to be in a pretty miserable place whether or not you're paying attention to it and yes it is important to to you know to stay woke but if you need to take a break, please acknowledge that sooner rather than later. And, you know, go go pet your cat or walk your dog or go 
take a nature photo and post it on Instagram. Like self care is is going to be very important over the next two, four, eight, twenty, whatever years. Like there's yeah. this is this is just the beginning, which is very ominous. I understand, but um, self care, self care. Uh, that's all I got. Yeah, I mean, and because it can be so easy to get burnt out so quickly when you're so upset about so many things it's going to be a long haul we need to stay vigilant um if i can just add just something slightly more positive to end it out on um this election wasn't all doom and gloom uh there were a record number of minority women who were elected uh only about four of them to the the senate and house of representatives but that still we record number um oregon has uh oregon elected a bisexual woman she is the first out lgbtq governor in the united states so like teeny tiny bits of progress here and there um and uh, hold on to your butts and hope for the best, I guess. So, I don't know. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and maybe watch RuPaul's Drag Race and or Buffy the Vampire Slayer. RuPaul's Drag Race, yes. Well, Christopher, thank you for joining me again on In Sickness and in Health. Not uh, a problem. Where can people find you and all of your podcasting endeavors? Uh, JustTalkingPodcast.com com on Twitter at I am underscore Spartacus. Um, I'm usually pretty good about putting out links there, but also I'm putting out political stuff. So if you want to know how I feel about things, then be warned. But I guess that's the case for the internet. But yeah, Twitter is <laughs> usually the best place to go. And then from there, I link out to all my other stuff. All right, cool. Well, thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening to In Sickness and In Health. Thanks to my patrons over on Patreon If you can, please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, or just subscribe, or just rate. You don't necessarily have to write a review, but you can, uh, because that sort of stuff helps other people find the show. And as always, find links to our Patreon, Christopher's podcasts, and some of the stuff we talk about on the episode page. Find links and more from us at insignispod.com. We are on social media at InSicknessPod, so be sure to follow us there as well. And especially now, don't forget to be excellent to yourselves and each other, even if you're really mad at the other person for who they voted for. I love you. Goodbye.